0: Alright, random stat attack of the day. Did you know that there's a Tupperware party that starts somewhere in the world every 23 seconds? Also, in 1987, American Airlines decided to omit one olive from each salad course in the first class. As a result, they made a savings of $40,000.
1: The most inspiring stories from today's most successful entrepreneurs with Business Bootcamp Podcast and your host Mike Andes.
0: Mike Andes, Business Bootcamp Podcast. How y'all doing today, fellow bootcampers and business owners? My pleasure today. We are going to have Dean Roberts on the show for an interview, Dean has gone just about everywhere over the world. He's been in the Navy, but he's also started several companies, uh, manufacturing, and he's going to tell us a little bit about a time in his life when he went through some depression and also had some kind of hard things going on in his life, but how he rebounded from that and continued his entrepreneurial journey. Now, he is actually traveling this very minute as we're about to tune in with him. Uh, he's on a road trip, so he actually just pulled over on the side of the road, and he's going to conduct this interview. So sorry for any audio issues, but it's going to be well worth it, guys. Sit back and enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome on to the Business Bootcamp Podcast. It's my pleasure to have Mr. Dean Roberts on the show. How are you doing, Dean?
1: Well, how Hi. you doing?
0: I am doing fantastic, and so Great. before we kind of get things kicked off, can you tell us a little bit about your journey, and I know it's a long one, so f- take, feel free to take your time, and uh, kind of how you got to where you are today.
1: Um, I was born in 1939, and um, I, didn't do, I didn't fit in very well. Wasn't, life wasn't good. I wasn't very happy. I didn't do well in school, and finally by the age 16, I was thrown out of high school. And um, I joined the Navy. I spent a couple of years there, and I didn't um, didn't get along very well with there either. So when I got out of the Navy, my father was in the steel rule dye business. He had a shop. He worked by himself, and he was doing about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year in sales. And uh, I guess by default, that's what I started to do, and and it, it worked out. I started to. Um, get interested in the business i got to be quite skillful as a die maker and uh but the thing that really changed my life was somebody gave me a copy of think and grow rich and i spent a lot of time reading and rereading and rereading that because there was no money in our family my father was just barely scratching a living out and um it was more of a strain on his life from in the beginning when i first started working there but then um I, I kind of caught on to the business idea a little bit, and within 15 years, we were in the die cutting business. And my father retired. And at that point, there was uh, a friend of mine sent me a sample of a die cut of a a drawing of, of a die cut dollhouse kit. And uh, I didn't really like the idea that much, but a friend of, one of the guys working there actually made a sample on it, and we took it to a trade show. And within five years, we were doing about $4 million worth of die-cut dollhouse kits, and we were the largest manufacturer by far of anybody in the world for that particular little unique corner. It wasn't for kids as much as it was for people that collect miniatures. It's like model railroading for women. And then I spent the next 15... Next 20 years actually running the business and traveling doing trade shows and I was able to take quite a lot of time off because I had a pretty good staff of people that were taking care of things and in 1996 my son and daughter took the business over completely and I bought a trailer and uh, traveled for a few years and then I got married and uh, we spent about 10 years with goats and chickens in a lot of gardens and raising most of our own food and then about seven years ago we bought a health food store so that's what got me got me to this point in life and it's um right now we're in um somewhere on the western part of arkansas and we're traveling around with our motorhome for the winter
0: Dean, can you kind of give some advice or give a personal story of when you were starting your business or for someone that is starting a business? Can you kind of delve into that a little bit?
1: I I think the most important ingredient is information. You have to study your business. You have to look at what other people are doing and really approach it from a, uh, almost like going back to school. Get all the books you can, can find on it. But even before that, the key, the key to being successful in business or anything else is motivation. You really, really have to build a fire. You have to have a passion for, not necessarily a passion for what you're doing. If you're in a garbage business, be the best garbage man in the world. But you need to have a passion for self-improvement to make yourself more more informed, more motivated, healthier. And uh, I think that you can be successful in almost any business if you, if you do that. Study. First, get motivated. Really, really have a passion to improve your life. Get better.
0: Awesome, yeah, and I want to kind of go through these start, grow, and save, and then I got a couple extra questions I got for you. Uh, Everyone out there, he has a book that he published, it's called I'll Fix My Head Before I'm Dead. I'll put uh, links to that in the show notes, but um, can you kind of give us some advice, Dean, on how to grow a business, so kind of maybe a personal story or or kind of some advice on when you were growing your business there?
1: (laughs) Uh, it's very different now. Trade shows were the key to our success. I did one year forty trade shows. We had two sets of samples, and we went from one show to the next, pretty much. Um, I think that in this in this new era of, uh, of internet commerce, um, certainly trade shows are still a good a good thing. If you've got some sort of a product. I was in a manufacturing business, so it uh, be very different for a restaurant or uh, other any kind of retail business. But for manufacturing, you need to make contacts, get out in the market, make sales calls. Get to, we, um, I just called up Toys R Us and made an appointment, and they uh, took a look at our product, and we were sending them truckloads of stuff uh, within months after that. St- and be relentless. Don't give up. If, if you got an idea that's worthwhile, don't give up on it until it's absolutely, totally, completely proven that it just doesn't work.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about that experience with Toys R Us and kind of how that started and kind of how it probably ramped your business up quite a bit there?
1: It was. Between uh, Toys R Us and Woolworths, the first two years that we started, really, I had we had so much business from Woolworths, I had to really just turn away new stores. The purchasing agent, we would uh, he would place orders, but they were for individual stores, and I just had to put my hands up and say, "I'm sorry, we're just not going to be able to do it this year." Um, it's it actually as simple as picking up the telephone, calling up who buys this category. First, figure out what category it's in. Go into a, like Toys R Us or Woolworths. There's even within the context of Toys R Us, there are a lot of different buyers for different categories from from crafts to um, get ball games and now computer games. So figure out who your target is and then just keep calling. One of the things I found, if you call people early in the morning, you got a much better chance of getting through to them because quite often they'll get in before the switchboard opens. And if you can find out what their extension is, they, uh, they're, they're, they're a lot more accessible first thing in the morning is one of, this, one of the things that I found.
0: Cool. All right. So has there ever been a time in your business career or in your personal career uh, where you have had to save your business or gone through an experience where there's been a a huge defeat, but you've been able to recover from that? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Oh, three or four times. Um, Once I had just, uh, I, I just completely like walked away for about six months. I just went on a, uh I started on I was at a poker tournament in Las Vegas and uh, I caught a plane to Hong Kong and went to I spent some time in Manila and then I roamed around Australia for a couple of months. And by the time I got back, everything was in a shambles. but I, I was a I was breaking up with my wife and it was a uh, it was a hard time and I, I really was able to in doing that, Gather my strength back and and get a vision for what I wanted to do, and it was a struggle. I barely stayed in business for a year or two, but then I came up with a, 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 a patent, an item that we were able to get a patent on. It was called a puzzle postcard, and we sold it to the post office, and that was like uh, turned out to be like a money hose. We were selling them for fifty cents a piece, and we sold them by the hundreds of thousands every month, and it was costing us somewhere short of a dime. So it was. It really fixed everything almost at once. You you need to concentrate on the business you're in, but be open to other opportunities.
0: Yeah, concentrate on the business you're in, but then focus on other opportunities. That's awesome. Well, that,
1: well, be open to them. Not necessarily focus on it, because if at the same time, I mean, we were still making dollhouses, and I was still back in the market of selling dollhouses, but this thing came along, and it was it really opened a lot of doors for us.
0: So how did you kind of make that transition between dollhouses and then puzzle stamps? Or sorry, oh, no, we, puzzle, postcards. puzzle postcards.
1: Puzzle postcards. It wasn't really a transition. It was within our manufacturing stream. We silkscreened and die-cut... Uh, cardboard plywood. We were still making a lot of custom things for other manufacturers as well. So it wasn't a, anything new from a manufacturing standpoint, but it was from. I mean, selling the post, the, the, There's nothing easier than selling the post office when you get started because they just uh, it sold really well at uh, at re, in the in the postal in the post offices, and there are uh, only 40 different districts, I think, or something like that, and you just. You know, with one district, is successful. They like to follow suit. It was easy to sell them after we got started. I don't even know if they sell products anymore. In fact, that's what happened to that deal. We were going gangbusters, making them buy it. You know, and then all of a sudden, they changed the law. They weren't. They stopped selling products. So you don't don't ever count on everything lasting forever.
0: So now you're doing that health store business. Can you kind of tell how that all kind of came into play?
1: Well, it was. Uh, I, we had been retired, as I said, we were retired for about ten years, just uh, mostly staying home. We grew, grew our own food. We traveled a little bit in the winter, but not even a lot then. So, this one of the guys I played poker with has had this health food store, and he decided he was just going to close it. And my wife and I have been very interested in uh, good health and uh, healthy eating for a long time. So we kind of toyed with the idea. And then finally he says, you know, January 1st, I'm closing the business. I'll pay, I'll pay the mortgage on the building. I don't care. I just got to get out of here. He, he was moving to Hawaii. So we said, oh, we'll, we'll give it a shot. So we gave him a very modest amount of money for considering the size of the business. And we started it up. And now we've got... Uh, uh, we've, we're doing about seven or eight times as much sales as he was, and we've got maybe 13, 14 people working there. That's the Green Earth Health Food Store in Oneonta, New York. If anybody lives in that area, we'd happy be happy to see us.
0: Yeah, and I kind of want to um, merge over to a couple questions I had. Uh, I, I saw that you have kind of two concepts that you kind of live by or that you really believe in, one of which is, Study, exercise, meditate, and write every day. Can you kind of expand on that one, Dean?
1: Yeah. Somehow I fell into that pattern 35 years ago. And every morning, including this morning, there's four or five books that I turn to for – it's not a question of what you know. It's what you can remember you know when you need to know it. I know every day, every minute of my life I should chew my food – but it's only when I'm eating I seem to forget it. So to you need to reinforce good habits, I, I think, all the time. And I so I would get up first thing in the morning, I have a couple, a couple cups of coffee, and I would read. For the last 30 years, I've been reading Mar- Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Just, a, just more, it's, it's broken up into short paragraphs. So I'd read a couple of paragraphs of that. And another standard that I've read for many years is... The Master game by Robert derope, and i'll do that for fifteen or twenty minutes, and then i 'll pick out some key point that really made sense to me, and i 'll write about that most of it most of my journals are not I, I mention what i 'm doing and what 's going on in my life, but uh, most of it is focused around different concepts and kind of talking to myself about how I'm going to implement it today. And today's the, yeah, I mean, I was I just read something this morning. I wrote 30 years ago about the, the, today's the day of revolution, you know? And then three days later, I was running around depressed and angry. And uh, so it's a, it's a struggle to remember and to train yourself to be able to live by certain things that you know are right. And the third thing is exercise. If I don't exercise now and for my whole life, I couldn't make anything work right. I have to get out and do something. When I was younger, it had to be like a lot of vigorous bicycling or running or something before I did it, before I even got into the factory and uh, meditating. Same thing. It kind of slows things down, you know, juice them up on some exercise and then slow them down with some meditation and Stay focused in what's your purpose. Then other, well, another thing I didn't mention here, but I've always done, is make a list. Every morning I try to figure out what's the five or six key things that I can do today that would bring my life further along to where I want it to be. And a, a, a practice I got into recently, I cut the back out of my cell phone case and put cards in there. And I'll write on the back of the uh, on these cards, what exactly am I going to do? Your bones absolutely have to get done today, and those picking out the right key projects and making sure you get them done before the sun goes down is the way to move forward.
0: Awesome! And what kind of what's the driving force behind doing all those things—studying, exercising, meditating, writing? What what what's the reason why you do that, Dean?
1: First was to not. Not be a crazy man anymore. To not be depressed, and not be angry, to not be flying around on uh, uh, half crazed. Um, I don't know what. And I pretty, I pretty much achieved that. I don't get depressed. Any, I have been depressed in years, and really, I get angry about anything. <laughs> but the second reason was, I want to. He- I'd like to serve the world. I'd like to help other people. I look back over my life and I say, how lucky I was! What a great experience! I traveled all over the world. I, I've, I've been associated with some such wonderful, uh, loving people that I work with at my at, at presently at my company and uh, uh, so business associates and sales reps and uh, suppliers that I've dealt with over the years. And, and uh, it's just to get better, to keep improving your situation. And I'm 75, and I have. Uh, unrelenting uh, resolve to uh, move forward and to move out into the world and try to serve people and the idea behind the book is to get people two lessons, you can always make the situation you're in right now some improved in some way you can, you can you, if it's no other way except by sending positive will to the people that are around you strangers your brothers or you haven't seen in two years And secondly, through study exercise and good health, of course. You need to eat right. You need to exercise and drink enough water, get enough sleep.
0: All right. Yeah. So and you kind of mentioned about there's a time in your life where you're kind of depressed, down, things weren't going good. Uh, I know it's personal, but can you kind of delve into kind of more of that depressive kind of time of your life and how you kind of rebounded from that and what was going on exactly at that time?
1: You know, I spent hundreds, probably thousands, of hours with four different drinks, and I tried several different kind of. I took lithium, and I took Thorazine at one point. I, it was, I, it was something really wrong with me, and I and I haven't totally figured out what it was. If it was, my mother was very, very depressive when I was a kid. She was, she would get into manic states where she couldn't do anything except sit in a chair and wring her hands. And my father would take her in for shock treatments, and after 20 or 30, of those, she would get so she was back to normal again for a while. So maybe there's a, a genetic component to it, but um, uh, there's a way out of it. And that's what I realized when I started to read Marcus Aurelius' meditations, because he talks so much about the ruling, that, that part of us that, that is, stands above and be outside of the whole experience and creates our experience. I just, you know, I just wouldn't give up. I figured I don't want to. I just don't want to live like this.
0: Let's go for the home stretch, Dean. I want to ask what your favorite quote is and why you chose that one.
1: Um, I have two. That I would. I actually three. Is that all right? That yeah, are- that's
0: okay. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: Okay. The first one is Ayn Rand. Live to the m- limit of your knowledge, and increase your knowledge to the limit of your life. And what that meant to me when I read it. Uh, that was one of the first books that I, I read, Atlas Shrugged, and it was had a big impression on me. Um, that there's never a point that you can't continually improve your perception, your wisdom. And the second one is from Robert DeRope, and he wrote, by skillful means, one can be comfortable even in hell. And that skillful means to me meant a to, to training of myself to be able to um, – Live well on the planet Earth. Not be moping around unhappy and miserable and crabbing to people about what's wrong. And the third one is help me as much as anything else. In the poem by Robert Service, The Cremation of Sam McGee, um, the background is they're mushing their way over the Dawson Trail. And uh, his friend dies, and he he makes this promise to him that he's going to – the guy that's dying says – it ain't being dead's my awful dread it's the icy grave that pains so I'm asking you to swear come foul or fair you'll cremate my last remains so he makes this promise and then it's everything's going wrong it's, the trail's bad the dogs just sick and and, it, and he says a promise made is a dead unpaid and somehow every time I was getting kind of a commitment me, kind of a promise I made to somebody that would flash into my mind and it really, to have a word of iron, you know, when you tell somebody you're going to do something, it's either death or that, is a very, very strong personal uh, uh, characteristic. And it's served me well over the many years since I read that line.
0: Awesome. That's awesome, Dean. I liked all three of those. And I want to give you 20 seconds here at the end of the show and kind of give you a sprint, if you like. And can you kind of share with our listeners uh, what you think is most valuable that you have to offer?
1: I would hope to be able to motivate somebody to make the best of their life. Don't settle for what you're doing if you don't like it. If you're happy, that's great. But if you're not, fix it. Study, pull yourself up to wherever standard you feel that you would like to be and make it and reach higher all the time.
0: Before we go off air, could you kind of share with our listeners how they can connect with you?
1: Okay. Um, you can reach me at Dean at RestlessTrader.com. R-E-S-T-L-E-S-S-T-R-A-D-E-R. The book's available at uh, Kindle, on uh, Amazon, and it's also available at Nook.
0: All right, Dean, I really appreciate your time, and you guys have a great
1: trip. That's great. Thanks a lot, Mike. Keep up the good work.
0: That was great. I don't think I've ever conducted an interview with a guy on the side of the street, but that's cool, I guess. Awesome to speak with Dean today, and like he said, you can check out his book. And if you do look at the book, it's very uniquely written. And like he said, he doesn't write in a traditional way, more of like writing to himself or kind of like a, a journal entry. And so, pretty cool if you want to check that out and very interesting life that he has led all right guys i'm gonna let you go make sure you check out the show notes on the website business bootcamppodcast.com episode 13 and make sure you also apply for the boot camps get your questions answered live and in person we'll see you guys next time episode 14 and beyond